It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Crossbody of Work. My name is Evan. I am Javier. It is the end of our three-part series on Mick Foley. This week, we're talking about Mick Foley when he wrestles under, you know, his real, his God-given name, but also dude love. Yeah, man. Uh, this is this is definitely one of those deals where we couldn't pick one over the other. We had to have some dude love in here because yes. it's, it's a very prominent figure in his career uh but we also needed some mick because damn it we're covering mick foley you know there have been quite a few memorable mick foley matches that are distinctly mick foley is the one wrestling them so we need to talk about those and dude love as awesome as he is as much as he is the third face of foley he really is the third face like he's the the third most important of the faces in terms of his overall memory and career I think that's fair to say. Uh, just so the people know, live on the on the podcast right now, I just absolutely rocked a centipede. Let's go! <laughs> uh, but yeah, he is pretty much the third face of Foley. I mean, I don't remember the rumble. Was it 99 when he came out with three faces of Foley? Was it Jack, Mankind, then Dude Love, or was it Mankind, Jack? I will Dude look love? it up. I, I think it was it Dude Love last, though, and I very much feel like that's kind of unfortunately how the ordering has to be just because the other two characters are such prominent characters in the wrestling oh it was not it was the 98 rumble oh uh, yeah 99 was the corporate uh rumble yeah, the that. corporate rumble plus the uh vince winning the whole goddamn thing cactus jack came out one mankind came out 16 and dude love came out 28 which is just fucking hilarious <laughs> it is absolutely incredible can you imagine fucking Bray Wyatt, like two years from now, just being like, yeah, pulling out one for every single one. We're doing yep. the fucking weird fucking uh, the, the the whatever his first character was, the, the cult leader, the swampy the, cult leader. Yeah, we're dropping the fiend. We're dropping uh, Uncle just, Howdy. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm getting eliminated. I'm coming out 30 with fucking Sister Abigail. That's right. Uh, because I know you're all curious who eliminated each face of Foley in the 98 Rumble. Uh, Cactus Jack was eliminated by Chainsaw Charlie, a.k.a. Terry Funk. Mankind was eliminated by the artist formerly known as Goldust. <laughs> and Dude Love was eliminated by Farouk, who was the second or the third last guy in the match. Interesting. I mean, no, that makes sense because the Nation of Domination by that point was still a thing. I believe they were on Splitsville, actually, at that point. So they were try- probably trying to get Farouk up. Uh as a baby over as a baby face making him one part of the final four is probably a big deal the final four was farouk rock stone cold and dude love i'll have mercy all right let's talk about we're, we're starting with a dude love match we're starting with the debut of dude love in the wwf it is a tag match austin and a mystery partner woo, versus the british bulldog and heart for the tag titles which austin is the tag champ 
uh, Raw, July 14th, 1997. Austin was teaming with HBK. Michaels got hurt. Mankind wanted to tag with Austin, but Austin said he didn't want to tag with a freak. Yeah. Which, hey, man, also, at, you got to think, at a certain point, that's Steve Austin character at that point. Who the fuck is he tagging with? You DTA, know? right? Don't trust anybody. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Don't trust anybody. Go around, kick ass, drink beer, stomp mud holes, go back, more beer, win titles. That's That was the whole MO. That was the whole plan. Give me a hell yeah. Hell yeah. So Austin's going to go it alone. He comes out and gets the jump on both Owen and Bulldog. Just gets the jump on him right away. Yeah, starts stomping a mud hole on both guys until uh, he, he hits the ropes to probably explode with either his death press probably or his clothesline. We don't know. But Owen catches him with a spinning heel kick. And then from that point forward, uh, it's a little bit of the ba- of the, the heels getting it. Are they the heels? Who's the heel in this situation? Austin's the face. Okay, Austin's the face. So I guess the other guys are heels by the f- like de facto, but like yeah. they were kind of in that situation where Brett just got screwed a few months ago, so they were in that limbo period. It's a weird time. It really was. Uh, and then Austin gets the advantage because uh, Owen misses an enziguri. Austin just decks him right from behind uh, and then tries to put on a sharpshooter on Owen, and Bulldog comes from behind him and absolutely rocks him. Wait, no, the the, the screw job hasn't happened yet. This is July 97. Oh, shit. Yet. Yeah, I was going to say that time. That timing is way off. No, our next match is in 98, but no, we're in 97. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I fucked up, people. I fucked up. So Austin, uh, there's a missing Gary. Austin's a clothesline. He wants a sharpshooter, which is weird that he would try to steal a sharpshooter. Bulldog breaks it up. We get double teams. Uh, Bulldog and his little tasseled boots are Actually, stomping out Austin. Yeah, you know, it does make sense because he just had his feud with Brett. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. Plus, he's going against the hearts. It all makes sense. Austin gets tossed into the steps by Hart. And then we get this this shot of some boots walking backstage. Very, like, got a spring in his step. But we don't see go, whose boots they are. Spring in his step. You hear a little jig. A little jig going. Uh, you only see the boots. And then they go into a commercial break. When we get back from the commercial, Hart hits a nice overhead belly-to-belly to Austin. It is. Yeah. It looks nice. It is a tough landed for Austin. Man. Yeah. Especially when you realize, now that I think about it, this was a this was a month before SummerSlam. Well, commentary is, mentions that Austin Hart is already booked for SummerSlam, which is a very monumental night because that's where Austin obviously has his terrible neck injury on the pile driver, almost kills him. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. It's really weird to hear them say like, "Oh, we were so excited, you know, Austin versus Hart Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam," and I was like, "Yeah, I mean, it is gonna be a good match, is it?" Uh, it's going to be a memorable one. Memorable is the right word for it. Then we get the appearance of Dude Love. Describe the Dude Love appearance for those who may not know. So before he comes out, he he gets up on the, the big Titan Tron um, and he goes, Yo, Steve-O! Looks like you could <laughs> use a little help, my man. Like, maybe a tag partner. Uh, says he doesn't want to, he says he doesn't blame, uh, Austin for not wanting to team up with a freak like mankind, but he's the hippiest cat in the land and he's coming to save the day. And then the music hits and it is literally just Mick Foley and tie dye with a headband and very white boots. That is the whitest white I have ever seen on those. He's got got the white boots. He's got the little, little sunglasses, the little like John Lennon shades Yeah, and little headband and everything. Breaking the knees. 
he's the hippest dude in the land. And we've talked about it briefly, but I want to give you your moment to shine. Talk about the dude love theme song. Oh my god, it's it's just it's just funky, man. It's I love a good funky. funk. I love a good funk. Play that funky music, white boy. I love that <laughs> shit. It's uh, just and, so and just it's it, it just if it, it suits the character so well because I feel like there's a there is a vast difference between like proper funk music and like douchey funk music, and this is very much douchey funk music. <laughs> Please expand on the difference between douche <laughs> funk and real funk. Douche funk is like, you know, the fucking senior in high school who just listens to funk and he thinks he's so cool now. So he tries to act high and mighty and be like, hey, man, you know, like he just absolutely changed his entire character to become like a fucking hippie. Uh, so now he just listens to like the trashy kind of funk rather than like you know, that good shit, man. Do you know someone who got popular in high school by trying to pose as a funk connoisseur? Is that what you're telling me? You ever see the new guy? No. There there you go. That's a problem. (laughs) There's there's the disconnect right there. Okay. I was going to say, nobody in school is popular by looking at it, by being like, hey, you know what's big? Funk. Hey, maybe not in our generation, but the previous generations before us. That's true. Like, like my dad, who was born in the sixties, I'm sure they were they were having fun in the seventies when they were in high school. So, dude loves here, and uh, Owen Hart attacks Austin from behind, and then Austin tags in dude love. And people, the commentary was like, "I don't think Austin's going to want to team with this guy because it's clearly just mankind." By the way, describe Austin's face when dude love comes out. You ever had a story told to you by a five year old? <laughs> and you're just kind of looking at them, and you're trying to pick out the key pieces of information and the keywords, and you're trying to just get past all their stumbles. And the, well, uh, you, you ever had like, a dream that you could you kid. you would you would? It's like if you had to transcribe that. Austin's face is like, what the fuck am I seeing right now? But then he's down for it. He's like, I need a partner. I can't do it alone. And this this cool cat, it's gonna be the guy. Yeah, uh, he tags into love. Dude, love starts going to work. Uh, he 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 he's on top the entire time as soon as he tags in, uh, and then he turns to tag Austin back in. You know, get some tag team camaraderie in. Austin does not reach his hand out. Does not want to get back in this bitch. No. So Bulldog gets a little bit of an advantage, but then Dude Love gets a mandible claw on while Bulldog goes for a yeah. Bulldog's going for a scoop slam, and man, he manages to instead lock in a mandible claw. Dude Love gets the pin. Just pretty quickly. He's, well, yeah, because Austin gets into the ring, hits a stunner uh, while the ref is like kicking Owen out of the ring. Uh, and then Mankind, our dude Love just, just jumps right on him, pins him, wins yeah. the match. It's the summer of love, baby. I love Austin deciding whether or not to give the tag titles to dude Love. He's like, do I actually want... Th-? Like, it, lo- it looked like Austin was going to be the originator of, no, I'm the tag champions. But... <laughs> Dude Love then gets mobbed by some people in the ring. Who mobs Dude Love in the ring? I'm going to be honest with you. I did, I, it was late. Uh, I just wanted to get all the matches in. So I, I didn't even realize there was more. Because there oh was like God. a minute left. In the Dude Love gets mobbed by a couple ladies in the ring. They just can't oh! resist. Can't resist Dude Love's charms. So Austin walks over and drops the tag belt and shakes his hand and leaves. It's almost like he respects the Riz. Austin doesn't care about anything else other than dude loves Riz. 
How's his Riz, man? How's his Riz? I feel like we have a, we have an older generation that we need to exp- What is Riz, Javi? Stilo, sauce, drip. <laughs> the way the way that a, that an individual is able to get the ladies to to mob on him. If you got game, basically, what is your game? You got the Riz. If you got the Riz, you got a good game. You could spit a good game. That's true. That's- if you don't know, if you don't know what spitting game is, I can't help you. That's been around since before I was born. That's okay? true. That's true. So let's go to our second match, which weirdly enough is Dude Love versus Stone Cold for the WWF Championship at Unforgiven '98. So on April 6, 1998, Foley turned heel uh, because Cactus Jack explained that the fans would not see him anymore because they did not appreciate him. They only cared about Stone Cold. What had happened was. There was a match in Albany between Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. Fans started to leave the arena a minute or so before their match ended, but Howard Finkel hopped on the on the mic to say that Austin would be making an appearance, and the crowd exploded and came back. So they managed yeah. to stop an exodus, and they came back. Uh, Vince McMahon explained that Austin would face a mystery opponent at Unforgiven. That mystery opponent, dude love. This is the first title defense for Austin on a pay-per-view after winning after, at WrestleMania. After the WrestleMania win, yep. Uh, so this is this is the very early stages of the Mr. McMahon character. Because uh, yep. I believe it wasn't until the Raw after Mania that really, you know, we got to see the 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 beginning of that character which is when austin stunned him and then he was kind of just on tv every week after that for the next mm. 20 years the origin of the vince of mr mcmahon character is survivor series 97 which has now happened like that's to me the origin point but then in terms I, of being a it, regular not, character, like character is the thing it, it was just vince like that wasn't gimmicked i know it's not gimmicked but that's what caused him to become a character that was yeah. the thing that brought him out from the back. You had to be a character at the point. And it plays a role in this match, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we will see that. And believe me, Jim Ross, we will discuss that. Because, my Lord. Austin's doing his usual, you know, walks in on all the turnbuckles, whatever. Dude Love just mugs him from behind. Yes. Which just is mugs just... Him. By the way, this is the coolest cat in the land, but he's a dickhead now. I, I it's see. so weird to see Dude Love be a bad guy. It doesn't make sense in my little rat brain. It also just doesn't make sense that it's dude love doing this. Like, this very much feels like the Cactus Jack position. Yeah. But dude love's probably more marketable for Vince McMahon than Cactus Jack is. Cactus Jack is a liability. Yeah, but if the... But the thing with that is, if you want a guy to take the title off of Austin, you see how bionic redneck Austin is at this point. Who's the best of the Foley's to be to get the job done? It's Cactus. Mm. LL Dude Love. Ladies <laughs> love Dude Love. All right. Austin gets him in the corner. Back elbows, knocks Love to the outside. We get a Thez press back in the ring. He just smashes Dude Love's head into the mat. Every bump uh, that Mick Foley takes hurts me. Like hurts my soul. At one point. You hear Jim Ross and, and King talking about Austin and, he, and how he's wearing black tights. And you just hear the shade from King when he goes, can you believe that some official uh, said that Austin would never make it in black tights? Oh, yeah. Looking at you, Uncle Eric, you dumbass. 
Uh, we get also, the drink. like a weird spine buster at one point here. It's really weird because it's not quite a spine buster. It's like a, it's like a scoop tackle. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but it's not like a. He didn't tackle him. He just dropped him. It's weird. It's a weird move. Uh, he gets a, his little like elbow drop that he does, where he just goes, ah. yeah, just kind of lunges himself at the person straight down. Then he drapes dude love on the middle rope and does the like leg drop onto the rope thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, right after that, dude loves just trying to get away. Austin chases after him from behind. This spots in so many Austin matches. Yeah, it's in, and I get it. The bad guy wants to run away from Austin. I get it. I I've seen Austin run and chase down every heel from '98 to 2000, and clothesline <laughs> them in the back of the head. I've seen him do it up until today. That's true. He would do it today. He did it to Kevin Owens earlier sure, this year. He sure did. Oh my God, that was earlier this year. Time is a is it makes no sense to me anymore. That was like so, seven months ago. I know, makes no sense. There was a band playing earlier. Okay. Oh, was and they? They had a little st- little stage there, and so they're brawling where that was. Austin just whips Dude Love off of that area onto the concrete below, flat back bump. Ooh, straight onto concrete like there's no mat covering that that is literally just a concrete floor of the arena i, I just and don't know how mick does it i just probably, i don't get it probably you know like a baby aspirin in the morning and then a shit ton of tylenol <laughs> at night by the guess you should be sponsored by aspirin see if i i'm telling you right now if i were one of those like pharmaceutical companies like you know people that produce aspirin tylenol stuff like that yeah. i would absolutely sponsor mcfoley or like any any wrestler pretty much i want mcfoley to do rub a535 ads instead of shack <laughs> or icy <laughs> i'm telling you right now if darby allen told me yo i take fucking tylenol every day for the pain I'm buying that shit because I don't think there's anyone in this world that's in more pain than Darby Allen. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Austin kicks Dude Love back to the ring. Dude Love tosses him into the apron. Austin does a little bounce back clothesline. Uh, then Austin tries that same middle rope draped leg drop move, but Love moves out of the way. Uh, we got a running elbow by Dude Love, and then he's he's like out on his feet, but still yeah. dancing. You got to love the uh, the commitment to the bit. He's out of it. He's still jiving. You know what I noticed here? It doesn't matter what character Foley's in. He always does like a little noise when he starts running. I think that's just Mick Foley can't run without that noise. It's like a tennis player in the group. It's, it's like fucking Bobby Boucher when he starts going. He just goes. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he's mankind, cactus, dude, love. He could be fucking going for a jog out in New Jersey where he lives probably. And he's like. Austin starts to get some juice. Dude Love cuts him down with a, uh, with a knee really quickly. And then we get a sleeper hold. And here comes Vince and the Stooges, Briscoe and Patterson. No chance. That's what you got. Vince sends the Stooges to the back once they set up a chair at ringside. And Vince is making eyes with the timekeeper. We are already getting screw job rehashes. It has Arty. been seven months. And... That's the only thing commentary wants to talk about from here on out. Yeah. It's just screw job. Oh my God, Vince looked at Mark Ian. And you got fucking Ken going. No, he didn't. He did not. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. It's pretty annoying. It's the That's whole rest of the match. 
Austin has the most reasonable response to all of this that's going down. Looks at Vince, flips him off. <laughs> Every time I watch Austin matches, I realize I don't give nearly enough people the finger. Yeah, It's so, it's quick. You know what it means. It's effective. Takes two seconds. Boom, boom. You're in there, you're out. I gave someone the finger the other day. Uh, what did they this- do? You were trying to fucking cut me off, and I didn't let them because, hey, it is not my job for you to merge into my lane when we're side by side. It's yours. Stop a little. Slow down a little bit. Get in behind me. This person tried to cut me off because it's those two lanes. It's like a two-lane thing, but there's like street parking on one side, so it kind of it kind of really blocks out lane. the lane. Yeah. Yeah. And the person was just like, fuck it, I'm going to send it. And I was like, no, you're fucking not. And when they, when I went by, I go, I like, I'm like, what the fuck? And then they go behind me and I see them like doing hand gestures at me and shit. So I just, I literally just middle finger. You could see oh, it out the back. The throw it up behind. I love that. Throw it up behind. I fuck will that. say the vehicle is the best place for a middle finger. It is, it is, it is the prime location. Reach. It is the it is the tilted towers of giving middle fingers. How is yeah. exactly where si- you need to be from the side, from the front, from the back. You could you could eat this middle finger in any direction. Austin goes to talk to Vince. Love hits an inside cradle two count. Austin's working. Dude loves knee on the ring post for a while. Uh, then hits a back body dr- or Love hits a back body drop on Austin on the entryway. Yes. So you know things get intense. Vince is taunting Austin. Austin chases him down, and dude, Love gets to do the club in the back thing, <laughs> which is fucking stupid. Yeah. You get back to the ring. Uh, dude, Love puts Austin in an abdominal stretch, and Vince looks over and starts yelling at Marky in the ring. The bell. <laughs> Mark doesn't do it. Yeah, and very quickly Austin reverses the hold, so now he's got the abdominal stretch, and on. then Vince starts yelling, "Don't ring it! Don't ring it!" Yeah. Like, fuck off. No, no, I didn't say anything. Um, Austin counters a suplex on the outside, hits a suplex of his own on dude love, and dude's legs absolutely smash this ring steps. Yep. And then he tosses him into the crowd uh, and tosses him back over the barricade by the timekeeper's area. Uh, once we get back in the ring, dude love actually hits a neck breaker, gets a little bit of momentum, and then he's going for sweet shin music i love it's the worst setup of a sweet shin music i have ever seen because mick is very much at this point like his body is wrecked he is not the most bendy human being out there so him just doing the stomps look like it took a lot of work for him but that's the thing is he's just going for sweet shin music he's not trying to hit the chin he just does the shin baby he just kicks him in the shin austin catches the boot uh Dude goes for the attack right after that. Austin ducks. Uh, dude takes out Mike Kyoto in the process. Wow that this was Mike Kyoto. 98. Yeah. I Mike Kyoto was around for a long time. He's he's probably fresh at this point. I mean, he... No, actually, no, because he started well back in, like, the, the Joey... Uh, what was his name? Joey... Days. That, that referee that died in the car accident. Yeah, yeah. Uh, gorilla's boy. So we get the mandible claw by Dude Love. Austin tries to fight out of it, but he can't. Dude Love gets dumped to the outside. Austin wants a chair because that's the beautiful thing. Is Austin also gets to do heel things without without being a heel because it's ninety eight and we just cheered for him. We didn't give a shit. 
Okay, you know, you say that, but at the same time, he's getting double teamed by Dude Love and Vince McMahon. That's fair. Vince grabs the chair. Dude Love pushes it in Austin's face. Then Dude gets hit with some back elbows using the chair. Vince gets hit with the chair. Vince gets Vince get absolutely cleaned with the chair. Here's the weird thing about the end of this match. Austin is in the ring. He hits the stunner. He counts his own three. Mark Eaton with rings Kyoto's the bell. hand. And Mark rings the bell. And the musical, they're like, this is fine. This counts. This is okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, what the fuck can they do? You know, Vince is out cold. Dude loves out cold. Kyoto's out cold. Someone's got to do something. Austin's just like, hey, you know, don't trust anyone. Fuck it. I'll do it myself. He's like fucking Thanos out here, man. Joey Morella is the name of the referee. Yeah, Joey Morella. That's, that's Joey Morella. R.I.P. Joey Morella. We're going to take a break. When we get back, we have some Mick Foley action instead of Dude Love. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Back from the break, and it's Raw, May 4, 1998. So we are only a week later, two weeks later. Uh, oh and God. it is a match between Mick Foley and Terry Funk, a no-holds-barred match on Raw. So Vince was upset with Dude Love at the un- at Unforgiven. And so he required Foley to, preser- uh, to prove he deserved another shot at Austin's title with a number one contenders match against his friend and former partner, Terry Funk. The match was considered the first ever hardcore match in WWF. And is the first time in WWF that Mick wrestles under his real name. All of that is significant. All of that is, is historic and all this stuff. How, how, how does the clip start, Evan? Unexplicably, the clip we found on Daily Motion starts with a vignette for Val Venus. Where he's about to fuck someone in a bush. He's coming soon. <laughs> and, and Austin? <laughs> Austin comes out. He's on commentary. He has a tray of beers he gets from the crowd. <laughs> Austin just is sitting there with a bunch of beers like it's your uncle on Thanksgiving. He's just ready to just fucking... He's getting through the day. Cowboys not, are on. Yeah, Cowboys are losing. And not yesterday, but Cowboys are losing. Probably. He's like, Probably. fuck's sake. Austin's on commentary. They hit the... They, they, the, uh, the Fink gets on the mic, says that there's a special guest referee for this match. It's Pat Patterson. Really weird choice. I'm, I get Austin that I get he's a stooge. Austin hates it. It's weird that like, this is our first Funk Foley matchup of the entire yeah. Carter. It's really weird. This is a classic. 
the thing with that is we also have to leave a little bit of the Chainsaw Charlie stuff for Funk. But yeah. also, I, I we did a New Age Outlaws episode, which is really where we covered a lot of that Mankind, Cactus, uh, Chainsaw Charlie, Cherry Funk ordeal that they had going mm-hmm. on. Because that's really the, the, the highlight of that, their stuff together in WWE. And we're going to eventually do a little deathmatch run, and we'll have... Probably at least one Cactus Jack Terry Funk match in there. Well, the thing with Terry Funk is we're probably going to end up doing a Terry Funk three part. We might even do a Terry Funk five parter at this point with the way that this man's career went. He just won't stop. So he just did it everywhere, man. Once Patterson's out there, Funker with some right hands tosses Foley to the outside. On the outside, Funk just cracks Foley with headshots with a chair. Just absolutely rocks his shit. I'm like, guys, come on. Foley runs Funk into the steps and cracks him with headshots too. Do you find the headshots like hard to watch now? Because I very much. I definitely do. Very much. Uh, we will talk about uh, the headshots specifically in a later match that that we cover here. But these were uncomfortable. The ones that I'm speaking of in the in a later match, those had me like, I literally I can't watch this. Like this is making me feel very uncomfortable right now. Yeah, and me, like we saw this man get tossed from a hell in a cell, and still that I'm like, all right, the headshots yeah. feel different. Well, it's it, the thing with the the him getting tossed off the hell in a cell is like I know what happens to him because of that, yeah, you know, I know that that first one really just kind of like, like obviously it sucked, but I I don't think Mick actually like broke anything from the first fall. Uh, remember, when Sean, was, remember when Sean Spears hit Cody Rhodes with a with a chair shot to the head? Yeah, and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And it just and then nothing happened. Well, they had a feud. They 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 fought at uh, what is it? Is something for the fight for the fallen, and then no one cared after that because Sean Spears. Yep. Hope yep. he's having fun. He's gonna be a dad soon. Yeah, good for Sean Spears. Uh, Foley gets run face first in the announce table. We got neckbreaker by Foley in the ring. Austin's having technical difficulties with the uh, with his headset, and he just fucking steals the headset off of Jerry Lawler's head. <laughs> and he breaks head. it. <laughs> and he breaks it in the process of stealing it. I love it. Austin ends up throwing hands with the king. Yeah, he just fucking punches this shit out of. He punches out the king. Who, by the way, Jerry the King Lawler is probably the champion in Memphis at this point. Let's be honest. <laughs> He's still wrestling down there. Um, I mean, it's a year. It's a year that starts with one. So yeah, he is the champion in Memphis. <laughs> man, that man is immortal in Memphis. Good lord. Uh, yeah. So he just punches him out with one shot, which is like King is still a wrestler, man. Like you, you don't have to do him like this. Um, yeah, he, he takes the mic. He's just on commentary the whole time. In the process, like just after that, Funk grabs Foley and smashes him into the stairs, yep. then throws a fucking chair at him. Yep, and Foley's a bloody mess. Like, Foley's busted open. We get a pile driver attempt, and it's countered by Funk, so Foley goes back first onto concrete. Uh, Funk tosses Foley through a barricade. They're brawling through the fans. Austin is just drinking beers on the announce table. Yeah, we can't see anything for like a solid 30 seconds, I swear to God. Then when we finally see something, what's happening? Mick Foley's fucking up a hot dog vendor. (laughs) (laughs) That's maybe my favorite thing of this whole episode is you finally see, see them again and you see Funk and you see Foley and they're far enough away from each other that you know they're not wrestling each other. But then Foley hits a suplex. You're like, who's there? 
It's just the hot dog stand guy. And Funk it's is throwing the other hot dog stand guy over a table. It's just like, what? what is happening? <laughs> How do we get to this point? It doesn't make sense. Funk hits Foley with a giant Diet Pepsi container, which is great. <laughs> And then uh, Funk climbs into the stands because he's a crazy man. He's telling people to move as he climbs. Uh, he does a fucking moonsault off of that onto Mick Foley. It's onto Foley, Pat Patterson, and the hot dog guys. Which, what are the hot dog guys still doing involved in that? Well, I'm surprised we haven't found out years later. It's like, oh, well, the hot dog guys were obviously plants and they were Ken Kennedy and Carlita or something weird like that. You know what I mean? Stress, we haven't found that out yet. It was actually, uh, let's think, who who could it have been at this point? It was actually Spanky and Brian Danielson. I, I believe it. Uh, Funk is yelling to stop the match because of his neck, which, shoot or 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 uh, kayfabe, who knows? Who knows? My leg! Foley drags him over to the popcorn table and pile drives him right through it. Because what do you do to a man who wants to stop the match because of his neck? They do something I've never seen in a match before, and then brawl underneath the stands. They are under the bleachers. The camera crew can't get there. They can't see them. The only people that can get there are people in high school. That's true. So you can have a dramatic moment with their their lover. (laughs) Why'd you have to describe it like that? Uh, at one point, they get backstage. Um, Foley is just chucking shit at, at Terry Funk. Just yep. anything he can find. I'm just yuck. I'm just literally straight up eating this right after that. Foley hits Funk with a lamp. <laughs> hits him with a lamp. This is a brick Tamlin. Just fucking. I love lamp. Get back to the ring. Foley does the the cactus clothesline out of the ring. Uh, he puts Funk on the announce table. Gets on the apron. Grabs a chair, does a does a running elbow drop to the table. Two commentary notes during all that. One, uh, Austin says "son of a bitch," and gets Jr. so hyped that he also says "son of a bitch," and then Jr. blames it on Austin getting him too hyped up because they're son boys. Of a bitch. And then two, when they go to the announce table, Austin looks at Foley and says, "Don't touch my belt. I worked too damn hard to get it." <laughs> yeah, uh, Foley. Jeez. Foley hits a power driver, doesn't go for the pin, hits a second one. At this point, Terry Funk is dead. Terry so, Funk is barely moving. Terry Funk can't move uh, because his neck was hurting, and then Foley just went and hit three of those motherfucking power drivers on him. He gets the three count after the after the one on the on the chair, and then Austin comes in the ring, confronts Foley, and Patterson's going to hit him from behind. Austin turns, hits Patterson with a stunner. Did you watch the end of this match too, or no? Did you skip out? Absolutely not, Evan. Come on. Vince comes out to the dude love music. <laughs> and he's doing his Vince stuff. He's ready. He's got a couple dudettes with him. And Is he in a tank got, top? Nope, but he's got the dude love clothes in his hands, and he hands it to dude love because he always knew he could trust Foley, and he's going to get another shot of the title as dude love. And he's just out there, and Vince is, oh, I'm having a great time. He's just having the best time out there. It's the best. And unfortunately, in terms of this episode, that's the last we're going to see of Dude Love. So we go from one terrible outfit choice to another. Because now oh, we go absolutely straight. Absolutely do. 
We go straight into our promo this week. Our promo this week is from Mick Foley challenging Edge to a match at WrestleMania 22. So on the February 16th, 2006 episode of Raw, Foley returned to WWE uh, to referee a championship match between Edge and Cena. Cena had beaten Edge at the Rumble, right? That's yes. that, that tracks. And then Cena won. Edge attacked Foley. Uh, so this is Edge. Cha- Edge is actually challenging Foley to a match at WrestleMania. Edge and Lita are here. This is one of my favorite combos ever. Uh, Lita's outfit choice, fantastic. No notes. No notes. She looks great. She looks great. Lita was in her. Just, she was untouchable at this era. Just, yeah, she was the, the she's inspiration so of a lot of teenage boys. My God. Edge's outfit is, oh, it's it's Bro. the most 2006 thing I've ever seen in my life. Describe he's got, it. He's got like boot cut jeans that are a size too big for him. And a <laughs> fucking like Ed Hardy shirt. Oh, oh it's, a, it's an affliction shirt. It's a I don't give a fuck. It's, it's Ed Hardy. I don't care. It's Ed Hardy. It's he's even got, worse. He's got the rated R beanie on. God, he just he looks so fucking bad, man. He has two tone shades on inside. I don't understand how we as a society let men dress like this. I just don't. It's one thing if a woman wear wore those like very trashy mini skirts with the fucking like tank top over like a fucking polo over a fucking white shirt like uh, like you know the terrible like Lindsay lohan outfits or paris hilton outfits of that time period it's just even worse when it's the guys i think it's a thing of it's not just that people dress like this it's that the people who dress like this were cool these were the cool people who dressed like (sighs) this you had to be cool to do this it doesn't make any sense so Edge is here. He wants to know if Foley will face him at WrestleMania. He makes fun of Foley writing books that nobody reads, which is unfortunate because I've read, I think, three of them. <laughs> You've read three of his books? I didn't even know he had three books. He had. He has the. I, I've read one of his Christmas books. And he has the two uh, like biography ones. Have a nice day. The, the, one. Other, the other one I don't remember. Uh, Edge is pissed because he thinks it's Foley's fault. He isn't main eventing WrestleMania. He threatens to go to Long Island, which this week is very funny because this week uh dominic mysterio and rhea ripley showed up to ray mysterio's house and kicked the shit out of him on thanksgiving which by the way the commitment to the bit oh yeah it's incredible they show up to thanksgiving dinner and they're just like hey what the fuck are you doing here you piece of shit and then they beat his fucking ass also ray mysterio's in a boot and that's like a shoot thing because yeah. he's fucked up his foot or leg or something. And and still, Dominic's like, Dad, you're going to get these hands. I snapped the wishbone, and my wish was to kick your ass. He doesn't care. <laughs> these these hands are rated E for everyone, especially right. you, Dad. Foley is here, gets the cheap pop for Washington, D.C., and says that Edge needs to blame himself because he choked. Yeah, he said he, 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 said he choked. Edge said... Or, sorry, he just, uh... so Edge gets on the mic, and we really have to talk about Edge in this promo segment, because this was the moment that I was like, damn, Edge is not it yet at all. Like, in a in a couple months, in a year yeah. or something, like, that guy's going to be one of the best promos in this company as a heel. Right now, this sucked. <laughs> This was not Fo- good. This is a good. This is a good Foley promo and a uh, mid Edge promo. 
it's not even mid. I, I, I would argue that it's bad. He just he had no confidence on the mic, and you could tell. He called he I guess called Foley a transitional champion, and and Foley says no. He calls himself the greatest transitional champion of all time because he's got he's done it three times. And I was thinking about it. I think Mick's right. I think he is the greatest transitional champion of all time. Oh, he absolutely is. Um I mean, you you think the 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 first transition was not even a transition because he beat The Rock and then he lost to The Rock. Yeah, it was just a just a good pop. Like that was a very legitimate title reign. Yeah. The second time, I don't even remember. The, I think the the second time was the uh, get. It wasn't from the Austin. triple threat. It wasn't the triple threat. That was the third one. I believe that was the third one. That was the last of mixed title reigns. I oh, have man, no oh, idea. Because Mankind won it at uh, halftime heat. He won it at halftime heat again and then lost it at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, I think. So, okay. So, Mick held the title for a grand total of like a week at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, 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 yeah. I would say he's the best transitional champion of all time because I love Mick Foley. So, I'm not, yeah. and I also can't really think of many guys who have, who their title reigns are really only transitional. Like the Miz had the two. But the first one wasn't a transitional reign because it no. was pretty damn long. Second one absolutely was. Um, I don't know. Like I can't. I can't really think of any off the top of my head. It doesn't. Yeah, I always gave it to Mick just because it's Mick. Yeah, uh, Mick says he's going to say no to the match because he's got nothing to prove. Uh, and Edge then says the Foley will be remembered for three things: having his ear ripped off, being tossed off Hell in a Cell, and showing up in Vince's hospital room with a sock puppet. That's not a bad legacy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those are three of the most iconic things in the history of this company. Um, He says Foley never had the WrestleMania moment because he's never won a real WrestleMania match. Incorrect. He has won a match against the Big Show at WrestleMania 15. Uh, So it's not correct to say he never won. But he has never had a defining moment, and that is correct. Mick is missing a WrestleMania moment for sure. I would say that he still is to this day. I would not, and we're going to talk about that in, in our next match. I think that counts as a Mick moment. Sure, but I think it's more of a moment for the other guy. Yeah, well, we can talk about that. Uh, Edge has never lost at WrestleMania, which was true at this point. Up until a certain individual takes him out in the a main certain, event of WrestleMania. A certain dead man. So, fully agrees he's never had that defining WrestleMania moment. He rejects the offer for a wrestling match. And instead, challenges Edge to a hardcore match. And I really like the acting job by Lita here, who is kind of like the, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no, no, this is bad. And she turns to Edge, and she looks up at him like, don't fucking do it. And Edge is like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Um, Foley says he's going to give Edge a little help with his decision, goes to the back, grabs Barbie, comes down to the ring, Edge and Lita dip. Is there any funnier thing, unintentionally funny, I will say, than this era Mick running? <laughs> this Because he's just, he's got so much with his hips and his legs, and he just kind of like shuffles down to the ring, and he's just ready to fuck shit up. Like she's like he's like hunched a little bit, but not for a character Mick, reason. Mick would be an excellent horror villain. 
No, he would be an excellent like person that everyone's scared of for whatever reason. Who's actually a sweetheart, but it's more oh, just because, yeah. like, he has like a physical like weird thing. Are you saying that Mick Foley should be the pigeon lady? <laughs> it's the season for Home Alone Two: Lost in New York, and Home Alone. If you celebrate, it absolutely is the season for it. Uh, you know, I was I was thinking tonight that I wanted to watch a Christmas movie with my girlfriend, and I think you just gave it to me. Home Alone is our uh, one of our night before movies. We have two night before Christmas movies that we always do. I just can't do that because Christmas Eve is my Christmas with my family because we are Latinos. So Christmas Eve used to, be, used to be what my family did too, but now we do Christmas Day with my wife. And so we uh, have Home Alone and Love Actually, our Christmas Eve love movies. Actually. I love Love Actually. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, uh, I only have one tradition every Christmas, which I watch the 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 Disney, like the Mickey Mouse, the the Once Upon a Mouse, Twice Upon a Mouse. Yeah. I've been doing that since I was a kid because those are my favorites. So I watch that. I have a... A suggestion for everyone. It's one that everyone should go and watch. It is the Muppet Family Christmas. Okay. <laughs> it's a good one. You've seen it. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's free. It's the Muppets. It's Sesame Street. It's Fraggle Rock. It's singing. It's dancing. It's an hour long. It's Swedish Chef trying to cook Big Bird. It's elite. It's the good vibes, giant army. It's fucking fantastic. Go, go watch it. Because we all need a little Christmas. All right. You know what we all need? This commercial break. Because then we're gonna get back to the. (laughs) We really do. We're gonna take a break. When we get back, we have Edge versus Mick Foley, WrestleMania 22. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Back from the break, WrestleMania 22, it is a hardcore match versus Edge. Uh, Edge starts with a baseball bat and Foley's here in the dark flannel. We'll figure out why in a moment. Yeah, I was very confused by it at the beginning. Um, I thought Foley was going through something. Instead of, you know, having order that goes through cell doors and walls and ceilings and announce tables. Jesus Christ. Anywho. Uh, Edge Edge takes his bat. He starts swinging. He starts missing like he's fucking. I don't know, man. Who strikes out a lot these days? <laughs> everyone, everyone strikes out a lot these days. Everything's a home run or a strikeout now. Like he's fucking Adam Dunn. Nobody, uh, hits, Nobody hits like Tony Gwynn anymore. <laughs> Except for Trey Turner. Trey Turner hits like Tony Gwynn. I wonder before we talk about more of the, the details of the match. Uh, obviously, you've seen this. Obviously, yes. 
is this to to you? Is this a memorable WrestleMania match? Is it one that you would go back and watch on your own? I think it's memorable for what it did. I really do believe that this is Edge's Triple H Cactus Jack moment. Just like I think it is too. I think Moley, Moley, wow, Foley had that with a couple of guys. I mean, obviously he had it with The Rock. Um, although I think The Rock really had that in the ladder match with Triple H at SummerSlam '98. That's but, fair. You know, he obviously that feud with uh, man, the Mankind character is what really ascended Rock to that main main event status. Um, I think he had it with Triple H. Obviously, I think he had it with Orton in 2004, and I think Edge here. Those are the real star-making moments that Foley was able to give other people because, I mean, you, I, I feel like we hear this a bunch with people, especially with Edge, is the Money in the Bank cash-in, while a terrific moment, yeah. the aftermath of it was very much fumbled. I mean, he loses the title. He, he gets the title. Uh, Beginning of January. Uh, yeah, New Year's Revolution cashes in on Cena and like the craziest moments. The first time anyone cashed in Money in the Bank, and he does it right after Cena went through an Elimination Chamber match. It's like crazy, and then he loses the title like three weeks later at the Rumble. Yeah, and he doesn't get it back. He just loses to Cena again, um, and, and he's really just out of the title picture for a, a while here, pretty much until you know he restarts his feud with Cena later on. He gets the the whole TLC match, all that stuff, yada 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 yada. Um, this though, this right, is what makes he, him. Yeah, this is what propels him because he. I don't think he was ready for that main event scene. Like he was a heel, he was hated. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but he wasn't really there as a main event character because he wasn't. I, I just don't think that guy was believable, especially me as a kid who I fucking hated Edge after uh after he cashed it on Cena. I never like once Cena beat him, it was like all right, cool, Edge is gone. And then yeah. this match happens, and then he's back, and you're like, shit, now I just, like, for real. Yeah. It's like the difference between your team, like, say your football team, and you lose a game to the Bills, and you're like, all right, well, like, that's a main event team, you know? We should yeah. lose a game to the Bills. But it's like you drop a game to the Colts, and you're like, hold on, the Colts? No. Yeah. They're not ready. They have Matt Ryan, and he's barely alive. It's like losing to the Dolphins this year. You're like, shit, like that, like they're good, but they're not. They're a year away. They're a year away at least. It's like next year, it's like, fuck, like this was our chance. But I argue that even though this isn't necessarily remembered as a Mick moment, which makes me sound like it's sponsored by McDonald's, but like a Foley-centric moment, I think this is telling of what Foley is maybe best at, which is bumping so hard it gets people over. Like, yeah, that is one of the things that he is best at as a human being. And he does that on the WrestleMania stage to make Edge one of the best stars of the 2000s. Yeah, I mean, I I will also say, like, I think Mick Foley, like, we'll talk about at the end of this podcast when we go through the complete retrospective of Mick Foley's career. I think Mick Foley is the most selfless performer in the history of pro wrestling. Oh, I I give it to him for sure. Yeah. Like I don't, I, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think it's like him. I think it's Brian Danielson, and, and I think it's like a handful of other guys. Um, but but I think Mick is absolutely number one with a bullet. Like he yeah. is far and away. Like even when he was at that main main event level, he like yeah, if he got the title, like cool for him. But what this guy wanted to do was make moments, was make sure that whoever came to see him left one knowing his name, two knowing 
uh, the the person that he was wrestling against name and yeah. three that they had a good time and that's yeah. that's all he cared about and I think it's wild the amount of people you you mentioned that list of like he had moments like this with Triple H Orton Edge and to a lesser extent The Rock that's a crazy quadrant of of people yeah I mean and, and think about even bef- even outside of that main event like the the prominent role. Uh, level when he was doing it with Chainsaw Charlie against the New Age Outlaw. Think about how much that benefited the New Age Outlaw. Or Cactus Jack made Mikey Whipwreck. He had the best matches of Sandman's career. Cactus Jack, kind of like, obviously Sting was a legitimate threat, but it added a different dynamic to Sting. Vader, (laughs) you know? Man, you're right. Mick Foley is the most selfless performer in wrestling. Yeah. Look at that. And it's it, it's just even crazier because of the degree that he was able to do it. Like he did it at a main event level. Yeah. He also did it at a mid card level. He also did it in that in between phase level. He did it on he did it on the tag level. He did it in every single phase that a pro wrestler could do it. So you know what? If he wants to get his cheap pops, you let him. You let him exactly. get his cheap pops. Also, enjoy this match because the next the last match we talked about this week sucks. So I don't want to talk about it. Foley hits a bulldog, puts Edge in trio well, elbows him. We get a big boot by Edge, and Lita then just slides some cooking sheets and street signs in, and Edge decides to be Aaron Judge and just Bro. fucking tease off on Foley's head. Unprotected head shots as hard as humanly possible. Edge swung that fucking sheet, and this is what I was talking about yeah. that made me uncomfortable. The yeah. first one was like a cringe, and then he does it again, and you're like, oh my god. And by the time the third one came around, I literally I could not watch it. Edge puts a sign on on Foley's face, does a basement drop kick. Then we get an early spear, and you're like, Edge is down. That's weird. And immediately you have flashbacks to Goldberg Bret Hart. Immediately yeah. You're like, oh, does, he, does Foley have a door under that dark flannel? No, what does Foley have under all that dark flannel? Fucking barbed wire. <laughs> he wrapped himself in barbed wire because he's a crazy person. And that's something crazy people do. You know what I love about this, though, is Foley was rocking the really big dark flannel, right? And then he removes it, and then you could see that he's still wearing the red flannel. <laughs> yeah, he's he's layered. He's a he's a Russian nesting doll of flannels. Mick, so. Mick, is, Mick Foley's over here rocking about 14 different items of clothing. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, so Edge's arm is bleeding. Foley just starts whipping Edge with the barbed wire. Edge gets wrapped up in the ropes. Foley gets Barbie, though, stashed under the steps. More more things should be stashed under steel steps. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. And we see that later on in this match as well. It keeps happening. Because it um, makes sense because that's somewhere where you could... It makes more sense like somebody would put something there. Like you're clearly hiding something for yourself for later instead yeah. of there miscellaneously being a Barbie under the ring or other shit under the ring. Like you're hiding it. Yeah. Um, if Foley grabs Barbie, like you mentioned. Edge gets... Uh, caught in the so at one point here edge is like caught up in the ropes yeah like like arms caught up in the top and middle ropes just, just rolled up onto him uh he's just sucked there he cannot get out he's got uh foley's got barbie he's about to start swinging for the fences lita jumps on his back and yeah. instead of getting lita off or like you know attempting to do anything what does mick foley do Evan. <laughs> he clotheslines Edge with the cactus clothesline with Lita on his back. He doesn't give a shit. That uh, sucked. That must have sucked, that spot. Neckbreaker on the outside, two count for Foley, because this is false count anywhere. 
fully charges at Edge, who hip tosses him into the steel steps. Not often you see the hip toss into the steps, and there's a reason for it. It's because your spine hits the edge of the steps, and, and that looks like it hurts. It, that looks like it could be potentially dangerous. Just ask Shawn Michaels how spines hitting solid items works. I, I see these spots, right? And sometimes, to crack my back, I'll have my wife step on my back, right? Yeah. The other day, she stepped on it just slightly wrong. Instead of her foot being flat, her heel was just a little little down. And I thought I was going to die. I thought I had been snapped in half like a gingerbread cookie. I was like, what the fuck? This hurts so bad. Could you imagine getting hip tossed into steel stuff? If I'm hurt from that, getting like getting hip tossed like that, that's insane. And McFoley does this on like a Tuesday. He doesn't give a shit. I will say there are two memorable like people when it comes to taking bumps with steps. Obviously Foley, because he goes full all out and yeah. all this stuff onto it. No one will ever top Foley. John Cena takes a good steel step bump because he just drives himself and then he just like he's fucking Aaron Donald or Micah Parsons just absolutely strong sides the steps and just yeah. launches them halfway he, through. Cena has two ways taking it. He is that way and then he has the cannonball where he like turns himself into a little like battering ram ball and just goes shoulder first into it. Either way, I think he's I think he's trying to hit the steel steps into the crowd. I think is his yeah. end goal. No, and then if he's hitting the one that's closer to the announce table, he's trying to fucking say fuck you, Michael Cole. That's yeah, his fuck to, you to Michael Cole. I mean, we all need a fuck you to Michael Cole. So Edge <laughs> launches uh, Foley over some more steps. Edge baseball slides Foley out of the ring and sets up a table. Edge puts Foley on the table, but Foley rolls off before Edge can jump on him. Uh, Edge then just whips Foley down the ramp, and his head smashes the metal oh of the ramp. God, man. Then we have an additional addition, which is lighter fluid. Why wouldn't there be lighter fluid in this match? And that's the thing. is I feel like a lot of people listening have seen this match, so of course they know what happens with the lighter fluid. But if you haven't, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Does we'll Edge get back light- to that. What does Edge put the lighter fluid on first? He puts it on Foley. He just literally pours, just starts pumping the lighter fluid onto McFoley because, <laughs> because you know what? That's that's healthy. That's just a healthy thing that could happen. His to solution is murder. Edge took hardcore match to mean murder. Uh, Foley does not like that, so he hits a power driver for a near fall. He does. Uh, Foley puts Edge's head in a baking sheet, wants a concerto. Lita runs interference. Gives Edge an opening, who DDTs Foley onto the baking sheet, gets a two count. Uh, Edge goes, grabs Barbie, hits Foley yeah. with it three times, and then yeah. rubs it on his forehead before hitting a bulldog right on it for a near fall. Edge checks under the stairs and finds our favorite hardcore sprinkles. It's thumbtack season. Everything is shiny and bright. He sets up the thumbtacks down on, towards the corner of the ring. He goes to get Foley. When he does, Foley's able to turn it on him and does quite possibly the dumbest move an individual can do onto thumbtacks. He hits a back suplex. Well, it's no big ending. We've talked about that being the worst thumbtack move. Oh, yes, you're correct. You are correct. It's all you. Uh, but no, he does the back suplex, and so Foley gets them on his back. So does Edge. Uh, then Mr. Sacco gets pulled up by, by Foley. And he wraps it in barbed wire. <laughs> and then he locks it in. And that's the most uncomfortable thing in this whole match. I don't care what else happens. The Like, just 
cuts in your mouth are terrible. The worst part is he does it to lead off and lead only has it in for like a solid two or three seconds. And when the camera pans out to her, when she's outside of the ring, you can see her mouth just bloody, uh, just a bloody mess. Foley gets Barbie hits edge in the gut and then back uh, and then the back and then right between the eyes. Foley looks like a crazy person. They do like the quick <laughs> shot of him and it, it's very similar to the hell in a cell with the tooth in the nose. Just no, yeah. his teeth are where they should be. Uh, edge is bloody. Foley rubs the barbar in edge's face. Then we get to the finish. Talk about the finish. Foley pours lighter fluid uh, while he's standing on the apron. He pours it all over that table that was set up earlier. Uh, While that happens, Lita hits him with the bat that Edge brought down to the ring earlier. Lights the table on fire. Uh, Foley's still standing on the apron. He's just all limped up. While that's happening, Edge from the ring runs goes through the middle and top rope, spears Foley, and they go crashing through the Inferno table. This spot is awesome. Because I we're not I doing will... justice for how quickly it gets put together. Because yeah. it, it happens throughout the match. Edge sets up the table early, and then it stays there. There's a little bit of lighter fluid on it early. It stays there. And then everything else happens very organically, very quickly for this last spot. Yeah. Also, the fire gets put out immediately. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know how it works. I don't know what type of lighter fluid it was. What type of fire it was. I just know that. I mean, this shit. Mick Foley's a big dude. That fucking flannel going through. Maybe it stopped the fire. I don't know. Um, all it I know gets, is this gets visual, the three count. The visual after the fact, where Foley's not even rolling away. He just stays in the same spot. Edge, like, clearly, he he rolls around. He's like, holy fuck, this burns. And then he just drapes the arm over Foley, gets the three count, and that visual of Edge, face bloodied to a pulp, beaten, battered, bruised, bloodied, all the bees that describe pain. And he's in the, he's, you can tell he's in shock. He's got, the like, the wide eyes. He's, he's just, just like, like, what, what do I do? Fuck. <laughs> This really was a, a making performance for Edge, and kudos to Mick because God damn it, he just puts people over like nobody else. Yeah, I mean the guy fucking retired six years before this at the age of thirty four because his body was so fucked up and he was just done. And here he is six years later putting on one of the absolute most physically demanding performances in the history of pro wrestling. In September of 2008, Foley would let his WWE contract expire, and two days later, sign with TNA. And that's where our last match takes place, because I need to see something about where did Mick Foley go in TNA. Well, in 2009, he challenged Sting, who was the TNA World Heavyweight Champion, for the, the title at Lockdown. And this was main event Mafia Sting. This was yes. I Run Shit Sting. Uh the knockoff version of Foley's music in TNA is weird because it starts with a car crash sound, but not the same car crash sound. I have a hot take on it. You like it better, don't you? This, the TNA version, the T, I, I wrote here before it even happened. Uh, TNA's theme is the best version of, of it's like, his, it's his best one. It's his Get best the theme. fuck out of here. It is absolutely, it's better than the da-na-na, I I will hear a case for the dude love theme, even though I don't love it. But I think this is Foley's best theme. 
I've never been more upset with you. What's it? What is it? The fucking mankind? The no, no, no. It's it's the theme that you so eloquently put before with the car crash opening. It's the best. It's literally just a car craft and then a fucking guitar riff that any fifteen year old in a garage band can do. Jim Johnson slander. Um, here's the thing, though. You can't sit there and tell me that this theme is better when this theme is just taking all the exact same beats from the first theme. They just but took- they add to it, which is what makes it better. Oh, they... Oh, oh. Anyways, uh, now I'm expecting you to tell me this is your favorite match of the bunch. No, this was terrible. This you was... Have, you have terrible opinions. No, Mick Foley and TNA was so sad on so many fronts. I cannot even describe it. It will get to it uh, throughout this match because Mick just should not have been wrestling anymore. No, he just shouldn't have been. Foley is an executive shareholder, aka co-owner of TNA and Storyline. Also, because you pissed me off, I need to remind you that the referee for this match is Earl the Pearl Hebner. Fuck you. Uh, That's right. Uh, this is a match I had no idea existed until I started researching this. I needed to see it. Uh, Foley walks in with Barbie, which they can't call Barbie, and they just they just call it a barbed wire bat. Just weird. And then Hebner takes it away from him and is like, you can't start this match, which has no disqualifications with this no disqualification item, which makes no goddamn sense. Because Earl Hebner sucks at his job. Long stare down. And when I say long, I mean minute plus. Yeah, it's it's, like, it's creepy, man. They think it's Hogan Rock. <laughs> the thing is, like, yeah, Sting and Cactus Jack had a fucking fantastic feud in WCW. Like, 15 years before this. Yeah, about 16 years earlier. But uh, guess what? That feud is not a defining feud in either man's career, I would say. It's it's up there. It's one of their better feuds. It's second tier. It's not not S tier as far as their feuds go, you know? A tier. A tier for sure. But not this one. This one's bad. Uh, I don't want to talk about the the main... Bits of the match. I want to know just your thoughts on the match in general. What did you see? It. I saw. I, I the person that I have the most respect for in this is Sting, because you could tell that Sting was Sting, who is older, mind you, like significantly than than Foley. I believe he he's he's probably got like five six years on the guy. If I had to take a guess, um, I'll look it up. Sting very clearly is like, yeah, this this guy doesn't have it. Like, he cannot move. So they really tailored this match in a way where it's kind of Sting carrying all the bits of it. Um, As far as, like... Sting is six years older than Foley. Yeah. uh, But at this point, Sting may as well have been 10 years younger. Like, it is just... Like, the bump card for Foley was not only maxed out, it was not only fucking booked up to overtime, the card doesn't even exist anymore because they punched it so much that there's literally no more paper. You know when you Um, keep something in your wallet for too long and it, like, literally, it just... It's, like, see-through now? Some of the... It's, like, like, disintegrated. There's nothing here. Yeah, like, take that material and then punch a shit ton of holes into it. That's Mick Foley right now. Foley... Puts on one of the worst Scorpion Deathlocks I've ever seen in my life at one point in this match. And it's because he can't sit down on the guy properly. So he just has to yeah, be standing straight Yeah, because his fucking legs up. are done. It's, it's really weird. It's a really weird time. And I know we normally talk about all the bits of the match. But, like, 
we can't. I can't in good can't. faith do it because I don't want to talk about Mick Foley at this stage where his both knees of his are shot, shot to hell. He cannot bend over. He cannot move. Both of his hips absolutely torn to bits. He can barely climb up the cage, also, which he does yeah, thing multiple is we, we, times. We haven't talked about the cage. For those who do not follow TNA, lockdown, as, it would, as you would assume, all cage matches. All yes. cage matches all day. Foley, at one point, tells Hebner to open the damn door, but Hebner doesn't, and so Foley because pushes Foley him. earlier added the stipulation that the door is not to be opened. Yeah, because Foley said nobody should win a cage match by walking through the door, which I agree with. I yeah. don't think you should win a cage match. I think you should be able to win by pinfall or leaving. Yes, pinfall submission or get the fuck out. Yeah, over the top. That's or, the only way. Or the old school no mercy on N sixty four way. Knockout, where you just beat the shit out of somebody for the whole match. Ah, the uh, the the tried and true red Hell in a Cell from 2019. Oh, that's a bad one too. So then Foley does what is actually pretty pretty ingenious, I will say. He kicks a cameraman through the hole in the cage where he's putting the camera, like the hockey hole. Yeah, and tries to then just crawl through the hole like a doggy door. That was the only part of this match where, like, that's fucking brilliant. That's fantastic. Foley's Foley's got a mind for this business. <laughs> I mean, that was cool until they were just kind of dangling there, holding each other for like a solid forty-five seconds. At one Dude, point, the guy, the camera guy, goes flying too, which is which is top notch. It's it's essentially the end of the Notebook when when the two old people are cuddling. That that is what Sting and Mick Foley were doing. <laughs> I was like, how is this like the end of the book at all? They were just, they were just, they were just... <laughs> Foley if, tries to go, oh, bitch. Sting pulls him back and, hit, and does a scorpion death lock locked in. Foley crawls towards the hole, asks the same cameraman he just kicked to pass him Barbie, and the cameraman does. What a, what a simp for Foley this man is. Oh my god. I can't, I can't, bro. I can't. Um, the the worst thing about this is also was that John Moxley like is John Moxley the cameraman because he's the only remember that feud that they had that that the whole basis of it was that Moxley blamed uh, Foley for inspiring a generation of hardcore wrestlers like mm-hmm. himself and that's why they're like killing themselves basically which was is fucking genius in the main in the part of it but also shout out to whoever didn't clear Mick because after watching this match. Yeah. That was like two years after this. We'll talk about that in a second. This match ends, so there's some Barbie shots. Uh, Sting gets hit with it. Foley gets hit with it. Uh, Foley tries to hit Socko, but they can't call it Socko, so it's just a sock. <laughs> What's Sock doing in the impact zone? Uh, Foley hits him with a <laughs> wire sock punch. couple of them in a row. He knees a Barbie into Sting's face. They both climb, because Sting is not that hurt. They both climb the, the, the cage. They're on Foley waits for him at the top for a hot minute. And I mean, where's the lie? Foley dives down first. Foley is the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Which just seems incorrect. I you know what the worst part is? I'm fairly sure he I'm fairly sure he had a match against Ric Flair. I'm like Almost positive that he had a TNA match against Ric Flair. That is worse. 
Uh, do you know who he loses the title to? Was it Rob Van Dam? Nope, it's Kurt Angle. Okay, he lo- loses at Slammiversary, uh, and would it was a King of the Mountain match, also involving <laughs> Styles, Jarrett, and Samoa Joey. Dude, what the fuck, man? Mick Foley would King leave TNA in t- Mick Foley would leave TNA in 2011, return to WWE, and officially retire in 2012 when he wasn't medically cleared for that match you're talking about with John Moxley, Dean Ambrose. He would become a Hall of Famer. He would be the Raw General Manager at the beginning of the brand split, aka the Greatest Era of SmackDown, <laughs> since yeah, since like 2005, uh, and then you know just kind of continue to be a, an ambassador. We love when Mick Foley yeah. shows up. He's great. I love Mick Foley on the socials. Foley's pod is good. So you know, just just, just be an overall good human being. Just really thriving this time of year because he is like the resident Santa Claus as he should be. Look at the man being a good dude, good dad. Just out there living life. I love Mick. This is really fun. It was great to see. The other thing is there's been so many Mick Foley matches that have already been covered by us because he is such an integral part in the careers of The Undertaker, The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H. Like you just you can't tell the story. Even the Shawn Michaels three parter, I'm pretty sure. You can't tell the story of the Undertaker of pretty much the Attitude Era without Mick Foley because he is so, so important to it. I think there's probably going to be just one guy from that time period that we gets a three-parter or even a two-parter or something like that that doesn't have a fully match, and it's Kane. Yeah. I mean, they were tag champs together. That was cool. Yeah, but I, I just feel like like if we're picking a fucking tag title thing from that era, we're putting him again, Kane and X-Pac. We're not putting Kane. Kane has the greatest set of tag partners of all time. It's Mick, it's it's X Pac, it's R V D, Daniel. It's, it's Hurricane. Oh yeah. It's Undertaker. Like Kane yeah. has the greatest selection of tag partners in history. Big show? <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Anyways, uh we already talked about it. you you did your whole bit about how Mick is the most selfless guy. What do you think about these batches in particular? Which one's the one you're gonna recommend people go watch? The one that I would say go watch is it kind of depends. I think that Unforgiven match is excellent. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's exactly how you should book a title match coming directly off of a mess- WrestleMania main event that isn't a rematch, which yeah. I, I personally feel like WrestleMania main events should not get a rematch to the next pay-per-view. Agreed. Um, and I, I thought this was perfect because it really was the catalyst of launching the next year plus. Obviously, we know it's like three or four years of WWE, but... Yeah. It pretty much launched the next year plus because it really was the beginning stages of that Mr. McMahon character. It launched Austin onto the next you know, platform as a top, top, all-time, number one with a bullet baby face in this company. Um, and it really solidified fully as a contender moving forward at that main event level. Yeah, as it should be. I'd, I'd also suggest going and watching the Edge match, mainly if you're an Edge head, yeah. you know? I feel like or I just want to see some crazy shit. And it's also short. In terms of bell to bell action, it's like 13 minutes long. Yeah, because they were in the mid card of yeah, which WrestleMania. I thought they had a lot. Like It felt like they had a lot more to do, but it's it's a shorter match. Go and watch it's a it. quick 13, I will say. Yeah. Uh, that's it for the Mick Foley three-parter. We're going to tell you who's next after we do this housekeeping stuff. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Crossbody of Work. Also follow us on Instagram, same handle, Crossbody of Work. Uh, Javier, where can people find you on social media? 
I'm on the Twitter machine at JMLO Sports. Sauce the follows, people. You know the deal. Send me a follow as well on Twitter at it's Evan Gomes, I-T-S-E-V-A-N-G-O-M-E-S. Send me good vibes as I move this weekend. I have to move a bunch of shit as we're moving back home. So what we consider our hometown. That's where we're moving back to. And you should also rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to the pod. Helps us out tremendously as we continue to climb the charts. Give us those five-star reviews. It helps us out a ton. Check out fullpresswrestling.com for the links to all of the matches that we talked about this week. Always there. Every match. Every episode. You'll be able to go back and listen and watch all of them there. Go to fullpressshop.com, cop the merch, support the boys, buy yourself a nice little Christmas gift, or wait till after Christmas, use your Christmas money to buy a cool shirt from the boys. Yeah. that It's time. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast. Javier, any final words for the people? This week on Life Advice with Javier, Evan gave you a little preview of it a couple seconds ago. And now did. we're going right back to it. The man's going to talk about moving because Evan... Last week we talked about uh, about what to 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 basically we, you you helped us outline what people should be looking for when they're deciding on apartments to rent yeah. and and stuff like that. This time it's moving. You are a man who is very familiar with moving, uh, and more specifically, you are a man who's familiar with moving long distances. I did mm. not have to do that. I only really moved away like ah, like thirty minutes, and it was very easy with the highway. What is it like? Uh, first off, give some people some advice with moving in general, but also give people advice on long moves, like moves that are going to take all right three, four hours plus. The beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about moving is that you'll need the things. The things you need in your apartment first are the things you're also going to be using last in your old place. So pack all the shit you don't need. Pack the shit that you don't need. Put it away. Get that out of the way quick so you don't have to pack so much the day before or the day of the move. And then, you know, load your truck or your van with the stuff that you need. If you need it accessible for one more night, put it at the very at the very end. Make it so you have it accessible, whatever. Make the first things that come off the truck so you can grab them, right? Chargers. Uh, if you need, if you need, a, if you bring a modem with you, right? Any th- sort of Wi-Fi thing, break, take that out. Food, have that really accessible. All those things. <laughs> make sure you book your truck well in advance. Sometimes it's hard to get movers. Uh, make sure you book your friends if they're going to help you move. You make sure you book them <laughs> well in advance. You tell them when to show up. You make sure you ask them what kind of beer or food they want. Things like that. The big thing is label your fucking boxes. Okay, yeah. so I have moved a lot in my life, and there have been many times I just, like, you look at a bin, you're like, oh, the top part of this is kitchen stuff. So you bring it to the kitchen, and then you're like, oh, this, I can just store it away. And then you look, and you're like, oh, shit, that's actually where I kept the whatever. It was underneath it all. My wife itemizes and puts a label on the box of here's everything that's in this box so you do not fucking forget. It's the best. It's the smartest yeah. decision that I've ever seen. Of course it makes sense, right? Also, invest in vacuum seal bags. If you want to save space on the move, you vacuum seal your clothes. Oh, it's awesome. That's it's smart. awesome. It saves so much space. Only problem, don't overfill the bags or else they'll pop. They'll, have, they'll get a little hole in okay. them. Okay. Yeah, and then they won't vacuum seal. They'll just be a bag. <laughs> those are my, those are my big tips. Uh, you know, ask for, ask for family and friends to help you move. Um, I am not driving the U-Haul, and I'm very thankful for that. My father-in-law is going to drive the U-Haul. Shout uh, out. Yeah. As well as if you could not move in the winter, 
that's a great decision. Uh, we have to move yeah. during the winter, and it fucking sucks. So. Yeah, this is this is a very short notice thing for you guys, which is unfortunate because you're you're in the good old Canada. Uh, so and we're lucky. Be, be as, cold. Of, as of right now, we're lucky because it's supposed to be uh, using using Celsius for you you Canadians out there. Uh, it's supposed to be eight degrees and sunny tomorrow when we move. What is that like thirty Fahrenheit? Uh, no, that'll be like forty something. Okay. Yeah, I'll and then it. the next day when we when so tomorrow that's we're loading our truck, and then the next day when we move, so on Sunday it is supposed to snow, but only lightly, so it shouldn't be that <laughs> shouldn't be that bad. But yeah, send me positive Christ. vibes as we move back to our hometown. So, shout out <laughs> to the Gomeses. Pack your shit. Shout All right. out to the Gomeses. Everyone out there who, who's coming up on a move. I, I know the, the first of the year is coming up soon. That was when I moved. I, I know it's not. It, it's it's one of the more typical times, I would say. End of March, end of June, that whole period. And then September, obviously. Uh, but aside from that, I think the first of the year is when a lot of people also move. So if, you, if that's coming up for you guys soon enough and you've already kind of tracked down a place that you want to go to, take Evan's advice, get a vacuum sealed bag because that honestly sounds like the coolest thing ever. Itineraries are important. Make sure you get everything really tracked down. I know for me that was kind of a big deal. Admittedly, I didn't have that much stuff, but still. <laughs> and if you do have a lot of stuff, don't. Don't have a lot of stuff. I promise you, you do not need it all. Toss a bunch of your stuff. You don't need it. Next week, we haven't talked about who we're doing next week. Next week's a treat. We talked about the three faces of Foley over three parts of our three-parter this week. Uh, we're talking about three different gimmicks, all one man next week. You may know him as Tugboat. You may know him as Typhoon. But you've definitely heard of him as the Shockmaster. We're talking about Fred Ottman next week. I'm hyped. Big boy. Big vibes. Big tings could have been saved. Could have been saved for uh, for Haas month, but no. Instead, we're getting the Fred Ottman of it all out of the way. We have never talked about the Shockmaster promo. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Uh, We're 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 definitely in for a good time next week as Evan gets settled into his new place, and I'm very excited uh, to to get you guys all in to hear that entertaining ass podcast. It's it's going to be. It's going to be a great time. Thank you for joining us as we talked about Mick Foley the last three weeks and as we got our dude love on. Ow! Have mercy. We'll be back next week with Tugboat. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.